and welcome to Raven Conversations, the show where we bring you the news and information around the Washington National Guard. I'm Sarah Morris, and on today's episode, Joe and I sit down with Colonel Retired Gerald DeSophie. During our conversation, we talk about his experience in the Washington National Guard as a leader at all levels throughout his career as a military intelligence officer. We also talk about how the information operations environment has changed throughout his time as the 56th Theater Information Operations Group commander. Enjoy. Be sure to follow us on social media. Stay up to date on all the cool events, stories, photos, and videos happening around the Washington National Guard. If you have a question, have a comment, or just want to say hi, send us a DM, PM, tweet at us, whatever, and we'll answer you. We also love to share and collaborate. Send us the photos or videos you take at Drill or AT, and we'll tag you. Are you an active Instagrammer? Well, you might be a perfect candidate to take over our account. Send us a message, and we'll set something up. To find us, do a search for WA National Guard. That's WA National Guard, and look for the blue check mark. Bigfoot country is earthquake country. If an earthquake were to happen right now, what would you do? When you feel the ground shaking, drop, cover, and hold on. Do not run or you may be injured by things falling. Remember, if you are near the ocean, the ground shaking is your warning that a tsunami may be coming. After the shaking stops, move to high ground and stay there. Make sure to listen to local emergency officials. Have enough supplies to be self-sufficient for two weeks after a disaster. For more information about earthquakes in Washington, visit mill.wa.gov preparedness. All right, so today I am joined by Joe and we are on Teams again. And we are talking to Colonel Gerald DeSophie. Now, now retired Colonel Gerald DeSophie. Yeah, retired. Uh, Not not yet, right, sir? Yes, I'll be retired officially 28 January. All right, and uh, and if you'll just give us a, a brief introduction on your career, sir. Oh, a brief introduction. Well, uh, uh, when I look with the total time, the total time comes out to like 37 years, eight months, but it, it went by pretty quickly. So my uh, career, very simply, I uh, uh, joined the Army Reserve back in 1983 and entered in as a uh, uh, human collection. Back then it was interrogator, which always required a language. So after attending basic training at Fort Dix, uh, late 83, I arrived at... Uh, Fort Huachuca, Arizona, to go through interrogator, AIT, followed by DLI German. Uh, continue on with a couple other MOSs, enlisted side of psychological operations specialist and intelligence analyst. And uh, then also before commissioning, I, I attended DLI Russian as there was a bunch of Russian slots available at DLI because a lot of people were stuck in the desert in 91 uh, at the end of Desert uh, Storm. Uh, commissioned in 93 and uh, actually attended signal officer basic course because I had a secret, but I didn't have a TS ready to go. And uh, everyone somehow agreed that was the best thing. So as soon as I came back from that, I looked for a home. And a buddy of mine who was in the foundation uh, industry at MJ Murdoch, he was my old USAR boss, uh, knew a uh, gentleman named Greg who was in the Washington Guard. And he said, you know, there's a, there's a military intelligence unit uh, right across the river of uh, Columbia and Vancouver Barracks. And that would fit in really well, Intel with Linguist. 
So second Lieutenant DeSophie uh, joined the Guard in uh, September of 94, arriving to uh, Charlie Company at Vancouver Barracks. Uh, that worked out really well. And it turned out later, I didn't know who his buddy was, but it was the tag at the time, Greg Barlow, because he was also in the foundation business um, out of Seattle. So I grew up in the 341st doing a, a few things with them. Uh, first deployment with the 341st was a uh, uh, report w was 29 December 2003. And we came back in November 2004, and that was uh, leading the CI human team over for S415 uh, rotation to Bosnia. Interestingly, under OEF orders, uh, at, they were making the transition from a pre presidential reserve, select reserve call up to OEF because the turbulence uh, was way too much with all things happening in, in uh, the rest of the world. Um, uh, at the time, I was working for the state of Oregon, and then the uh, 341st uh, battalion commander called me in uh, 2005, saying, Hey, we uh, need some help. Can, is there any way you can help us? Uh, or deploy with us again, and it's like, well, I really just got home, but uh, what do you need? So we need a rear commander uh, to support all 341 efforts uh, that include still more folks mobilizing, uh, a bunch of soldiers at DLI, uh, the ISO immersion program that was still in its in initial years, and uh, so I came on board uh, as the 341st Rear Detachment Commander that actually ended up being the 341st Minus Commander because I had to assume the AA. Uh, due to some mobilization challenges, and I uh, was up there full-time through uh, spring of um, 07. And it, that was the early years of the ISO immersion program where uh, linguists really weren't fully qualified in their MOSs until they had the 2-2, and uh, we had some really interesting early results. And usually after one or two iterations of the ISO immersion, working with Ivan Pavlik over at uh, Red Train and uh, found eventually Foundry at First Corps, we had some great successes. Uh, left 341st thereafter, became the Troop Command S2 and uh, get some better experience at the MSC side and uh, did a few things there. And then uh, a lot of folks in the IO is saying, hey, come on over to IO. It's the next best great thing. So uh, late 2009, I attended the, um, the IO 210 course and then uh, early 2010, uh, during a, uh, an AT session with, uh, in support of the uh, Olympic security, uh, an FA-30 uh, active duty course opened up and uh, Jonathan Davenport called me and said, hey, there's an opening seat. When can you go? If you want to go, I sure, when is it? It's next Sunday and off I went. Before I knew it, later that summer, I was tagged to go as a uh, field support team down the Jesota for a, another mobilization, Joint Special Operations Task Force Philippines, where we did a lot of uh, IO goodness from tactical up to uh, up to effects in the strategic. So it was a small, small, re really reflective of what the MSC holds today. It's a very small footprint with a very, very large impact. And that was supporting tactical IO efforts through the Sulu Archipelago and throughout Mindanao. And then um, also in support of the uh, country's uh, new launch for an internal peace and security plan uh, to bring the entire country together uh, amidst its current challenges. Uh, after that, came back to uh, I.O. Uh, and uh, worked a little bit in the TAG-2 and uh, went to be Battalion Commander 156. Uh, and then after the completion of Battalion Command XO and then followed uh, uh, Colonel uh, Simonson and his efforts to be the commander and took command in uh, 2017, May of 2017, and uh, tried to continue on with his efforts uh, to make great things happen. How's that for a really quick intro?
that that is a very quick intro and i mean if anybody saw your retirement ceremony or even worked with you for a day i had the pleasure of working with you goodness for probably the last three plus years i mean your your bio speaks volumes your experience and your career speak volumes my i the first question i want to ask though real quick is what uh something that that we never hear is what led you to join the the reserves back in 83 that was really interesting so i'm at school uh working at the hometown restaurant on weekends uh where i worked in high school and realizing okay this isn't working well i really need a couple of things i needed more content for my resume and i needed some uh more assistance with just making school happen financially it's like you know i can i can hit two birds with one stone and uh so i joined the 20th psychological operations companies interrogator and i had dli so all these great things the army is actually going to pay me to go to school i'm going to add all this experience and all this education uh to my resume uh why wouldn't i do that and i remember back in uh, early 83 friends would say you joined for six years, you know how long that is? I go, it's not that bad. It's like, you know how long that's gonna be till we even hear the the phrase, this is 1989, that's going to take forever. Uh, and obviously hindsight, it, it didn't take that long. And uh, because I loved it so much, I never really planned to, but because I loved it so much, I just stayed in because uh, as I said in my uh, uh, notes on my uh, retirement, uh, thoughts. Uh, it's a really unique place with a lot of really interesting people that you don't get to meet elsewhere in a uh, in in such a manner. A lot of really cool, smart people. And uh, so, why uh, why Intel? I mean, I I always get asked that question. Why did you become an Intel officer? And I I, I went the Intel route. Um, I always joke there was two parts of it. I flipped a coin and it landed on Intel versus aviation, but. Um, I was already leaning Intel anyways, and I would have gone Intel because it's a different side of the the battle you never see when you're an enlisted engineer. And that's kind of my story. So why Intel for you? So it is a different side of the story, and that's that's kind of the story of the tag. It is a different story, and it's it's uh, uh, a lot of it came out of the fact that I studied foreign language in high school. My high school back in the day said, hey, if you take a foreign language, you don't have to take English. And I thought that was a great plan. So I took some foreign languages and then I really understood what grammar was and then it started making sense. And because the foreign language piece was necessarily attached to Intel, it seemed like it seemed like the natural progression. And the Intel piece was so interesting because, well, you grow up watching all kinds of great movies. You want to and, and think who are those guys behind the scene and what, you know, what does my mother think I do? What do I really do? What do my neighbors think I do? But it's 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 uh, it's more the cerebral, more interesting, more. Uh, more cross-cultural, more red teaming. It the more you delve into it, the more interesting it becomes, especially with an overlayment of foreign language. Uh, so it's, it it uh, it was a natural progression by design, and then it uh, was natural progression based on motivation and interest. That's so unique that they would let you take a foreign language instead of English. I don't think I've heard of that concept before, and now I'm kind of mad. <laughs> And it worked really well because if you asked me what a predicate was, recusative case or dative, et cetera, and, uh, and uh, dealing with participles, et cetera, in English, I was so confused. But once you take foreign language, it all makes sense. So, uh, Sarah, I mean, I, I don't want to grab all the good questions, but I think one question I always have, and I think a lot of people, I mean, you've been part of the Washington Guard 
probably as long, you know, longer than the Tyog has been around um, in, a, in a lot of ways. I mean, you really helped stand up what is now our, our theater information operations group as it, as it sits there. I know I, I always look at guys like you and uh, retired Colonel Kirk Simonson as, as the two guys that I think always had the answers to the questions um, when they came out there. What, uh, what did it, I mean, when, when the structure was brought to the state, um, you know, how, uh, how did that kind of start? I mean, it's obviously a different kind of, as we've talked about, it's a different mindset, it's a different kind of warfare, it's a different kind of view of the, of the fight and something that I think sometimes scares people. So. So it was really interesting. I think that's why a lot of times people didn't understand because they didn't quite, uh, sometimes they were afraid to ask, or there was something really so complex that I'm not even going to ask because I may not know the answer. And a lot of that was uh, a narrative that, uh, I kept on hearing on, on, on Camp Murray being an MI and, uh, until I, uh, looked more deeply and said, what is this emerging concept called information operations and how did Washington get it? And I don't know how Washington really got it. As a matter of fact, we lost a little bit of structure, uh, one battalion that went to Maryland, uh, but it's really interesting that Washington did get it. It makes a lot of sense, especially with so many related, uh, related functions on, on the Intel support side. We're really lucky Washington did get it, uh, but it slowly continued to grow. And much like on active duty, there's a, there was a slow progression because there was a slow appreciation. And a lot of it really grew that paralleled the increase in say uh, uh, social media and the internet. Everybody now more and more understands exactly what is this cognitive domain? What is cognitive security? More and more people understanding that that everything we do is sending is messaging. Uh, but it's the, the growth of the TIOG, uh, it's it's probably a whole other subject we could talk about for quite a long time, but uh, it uh, it's it's a it's a bright star of the non-kinetic to create effects across the spectrum. And uh, I don't know how many how many different uh, uh, so many different ways to approach it, but I think it was one of those opportunities that we seized upon. And we're lucky that our predecessors did, and we decided to maximize the opportunity and are really today appreciating um, how how right that decision was. Most certainly how right the decision was for the IORC, the Information Opera Operation Readiness Center. Uh, we are so fortunate in that regard because of we're one of three TIOGs. Active duty could be consider considered additional TIOGs, the first TIOG command, but we're the only uh, um, Compo 2 or Compo 3 TIOG that has uh, a skiff like it does where we could do, where we have the capability to support uh, real world effort efforts uh, across the spectrum with part time professionals. And it's going to continue to get better and better. And the uh, I really look at the uh, the skiff and the IORC as our center of gravity for all kinds of goodness. And that's just not with the IO. That's also with the MI and Soft that has a lot of similarities for cool, smart people doing cool, smart things, sending out small teams with small footprints for an incredible impact, and oftentimes working in secure areas to working with really secure information to make sure that we give the commander, the decision maker the right information. You always say Intel drives operations. Well, commanders drive operations, but when we can give the commander the best information possible and support our folks forward possible, it, it just it just makes sense. And a lot of that best information today is approaching, appreciating, and really leveraging the non-kinetic because that's a factor 
across the entire spectrum of conflict. I hope that made sense. Yes, sir. So I'm in the 303rd IO Battalion in um, Dublin, California. And I know that for our unit, we really, really are blessed with having the individuals that live in that area that are from the Silicon Valley and tech industry and bringing those expertise into our unit. And I feel like that's probably the same for the TIOG with, with the types of skills available to them for the people in our area that work in those different types of industries. Do you get that same effect? So I, uh, I mentioned, I, I always mention that I actually mentioned in my um, departing notes that I tend to brag about it because uh, nowhere else in the world uh, then in the garden reserve, do you get something on a, you're at a meeting table and you see someone from Amazon and and uh, and Nordstrom Cybersecurity and uh, Intel and Microsoft and Boeing? The list goes on and on. And uh, the l list of not just agencies, uh, civ civilian agencies, government agencies, law enforcement, Intel community, and uh, and the like. Uh, nowhere else in the world does it really happen like it, it does in the guard and there's a certain focus on io especially with the cyber piece and uh it's 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 a natural attraction and it, the the national guard by design is always meant there to uh to leverage the best of of what's available in the community but when you take a national guard reserve and then io and create a draw for some really cool smart people uh when you build it, they will come and they have come. And oftentimes our capabilities are based on personalities and not yet uh, by structure, but we're getting there. We're going we're to continue to grow. Uh, and uh, there's a lot of dot mill cons PF considerations that go into there, but uh, we, we experience the exact same thing. And when our teams go forward, uh, because they're so qualified, because they bring so many validations and credentials with the personal skill sets uh, our teams are becoming more and more relied upon for that expertise which is greatly a component of the people not necessarily the training and the structure so we've got to get the training and the structure uh, caught up to what our personnel can provide and then maintain that draw to maintain those really talented skill sets and talent pool so yes see the same thing absolutely every weekend when it turns on it's amazing. Awesome. Yeah, we actually have instituted in our drills whenever we used to be able to be face-to-face, uh, -face, sort of like fireside chats with some of our um, different folks, because we have like the um, securities guy for Facebook and, you know, some Intel folks that work at Google, and they'll come and they'll sort of relate what they see in the civilian sector versus what we're working on in our training and it's it is definitely something active duty misses out on for sure yeah i know it's uh it's it, it's always nice to to go to drill and you hear people's stories from the month and and the things they're doing at their civilian jobs and uh it, it's always unique in the guard when you have a uh, a major like a like a um a bowman who's sitting there and he's a special forces qualified officer 
but he's also uh, a tech guy as a six, and he he's got a high uh, high ranking job at Central Washington University, and that's kind of those unique stories of the guard. I feel like that we talk about. And oh, by the way, he speaks multiple languages. Yeah, that's true too. And uh, and by the way, he's forward right now at the uh, Sujit. If we're thinking about him, great great American. Yeah, no, he he's a he's a great guy to, to even just talk to and. It's it's always funny because me and him will always share the fact that we were promoted on the same day, but he decided to push his ceremony two hours ahead of mine so that he could have a uh, he could outrank <laughs> me for uh, a couple hours. That is pretty funny, but no, we do have some really talented uh, uh, pool of people who uh, who who uh, have a certain uh, level of appreciation and ongoing knowledge based on civilian skill sets and civilian employment. Uh, people. Uh, Three letter agencies, Hanford and uh, civilian organizations who really have an appreciate, really have an enhanced appreciation and understanding of the world threat. And I think that enhanced understanding uh, is uh, happening across the uh, across the Department of Defense more and more. It's uh, it's happening. It's also happening more and more with uh, all of our um, uh, sister units uh, and senior leaders and emerging leaders uh, throughout Camp Murray, throughout Compa 1 and Compa 2, the, what is this I.O.? We need I.O. And it plugs into all aspects across the spectrum. Much like the M.I. and S.F. with groups all together, it's uh, very, very related and incredibly, incredibly relevant. Awesome. Well, that's a great jumping off point for how have you seen the IO sort of transform since you first started within the organization um, to when you just handed off command to uh, General a- or, uh, Colonel Akey. So the transformation, a lot of it, uh, the transformation is what we've done is we've really looked at what experiences field support teams have had when they come back, grabbing all, really looking at knowledge management and really looking at capabilities, really looking at education. So we've done a pretty good job of seeing what the challenges are, uh, seeing what the demand signals are for what capabilities, uh, and looking at uh, the skill sets coming out of, out of the, for example, the FA-30 class, Information Operations Officer. So we're lo- really looking at the, uh, the IO CAP course, IO-210, uh, and really looking at FA-30 and looking at that as a license to learn and identifying, okay, what do we need to do as so we create that FST horse blanket and leveraging uh, the SCIF and the IORC, we can conduct real-world act, real world training based on real-world scenarios from our teams who have just got back. And because of that, when we go to our first army validation, no longer are we uh, the unit that needs some enhancement training, we're the unit that goes in uh, ready to impress and ready to amaze and ready to raise the bar. Uh, our vision has always been to be the IO providers of choice for commanders worldwide. And we, we've really progressed to that state uh, because uh, I, I can't tell you how many notes I get from the validation folks sake. Uh, once again, uh, 56 and it's battalion 156 has really prepared itself. We don't have to do any retraining. We're ready to uh, we're ready to see the results of what you folks did to make sure they're ready at this point to go forward and hit the ground running. Because when they do when they do get on a team at a CJ Soda, a CJ Soda, a CJTF, what what have you, the op tempo is excruciating high. You've got to hit the ground running and you don't stop for nine months. 
Uh, so the train up is significant. Uh, it's long, and uh, but it's really important, and uh, it really sets up our teams to go forward and create great great impact with a very small team, truly in support of U.S. national objectives. So, sir, I know uh, even though you're you're about to hang hang them up for good and uh, and retire from the military, I, I you're also part of the Old Crows Association and uh, and the IO in general. Um, e- even after retirement, I mean, you, you've been to the conferences. You know, retirees never really retire out of the IO. They just uh, wear uh, Hawaiian shirts and sip mai tais at two o'clock in the afternoon and paycom. Um, but uh, how, do you, how do you see the future of IO moving forward? Um, what, what's that going to look like in your mind? So I see it being more and more, uh, you know, back at the FA30 course, when you had your oral boards, you had to pre- prepare. The reason they had the oral boards is because you had to convince people the importance of IO. And a lot of that was make sure that IO is in the base order and uh, really, un- really being ready to, under- to uh, explain, educate, inform, influence uh, to make sure the commanders then uh, not only uh, uh, appreciated it, but included and was ready to leverage it. Uh, I see it being embraced more and more also with the Information Professionals Organization. Uh, it's become a, a matter of fact, uh, a matter of focus, and, uh, and, and hugely important. And when people talk about sync matrices, more and more looking at embracing the combination of the kinetic and non-kinetic and they're real everyone more and more is uh ready to ask the the io guru early on at uh at phase zero uh and uh and and throughout the entire continuum i see it uh i see it continuing to grow and i see it uh uh more formalizing various aspects, just like Intel has the ints, because there's so much opportunity there. Uh, not one person can know everything. So I think we're going to have so many different pieces, just like we have the different ints in Intel. It's going to happen with information operations or information dominance or ops in the IE, whatever we call it. Uh, the Army, I think, will continue to, to name it so- somewhat differently. I think in the joint world, it's going to continue on with ops in the information environment. And I think absolutely everyone, it's no longer going to be a question of who are you folks and what exactly you do and how can you help me? It's going to be the expectation of what are you prepared to help me with and how can you, um, I've already identified what effect it is I want to achieve. How can you help me and how can I best leverage the kinetic and non-kinetic to achieve that desired effect? Oh, nice. So, I, sir, do you have any other questions about I.O.? In your mind, you've got or Yeah, just one. Uh, well, actually, it's two. So I guess the first part is we never actually defined what IO is, and I always feel like that's something everybody has trouble with. And then uh, the second part of that is how, what would you say to people who are looking for success in the IO world? Like, what do they need to do? So, yeah, the definition of IO keeps, it, it changes a little bit, and there's some great things coming out, especially the information dominance, and inf- uh, we used to say information superiority. Uh, a lot of people are talking about information advantage. The more information you have, the better advantage you have as a commander to make those decisions. So it's all about timely decisions and uh, and timely, timely, timely decisions, and, uh, of course, 
you have more information than your adversary does in order to make the proper decision in a timely manner. That's really what it's about. Uh, but what, what I would encourage people to do is uh, is identify what all the aspects are from uh, uh, cyber coordination, meso coordination, uh, understanding the interesting narratives, truly understanding uh, narratives from other viewpoints from the Perhaps the way the 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 uh, you would think is red teaming or the the intel guy or gal on the uh, on uh, MDMP, but really understanding uh, what the perspective is from another point of view. A lot of people talk about diversity in the workforce. Nowhere could it really be better appreciated than than in information operations, where you have a a multicultural appreciation appreciation, a multicultural, multilingual workforce to truly understand, will this have an effect? Uh, everybody understands the mistakes in historic mar marketing with Gerber baby food uh, pictures or, or Noval when it comes to branding and advertising and marketing worldwide because, it, because the effect wasn't really understood. It's, uh, it's understanding the the effects is understanding the the, the nuances understanding the communication the multi multicultural multilingual considerations it's also understanding all the various technologies when it comes to the potential menu you have in your hand when you get to that assignment forward it could be the uh le leveraging ew it could be lever leveraging special technical operations uh intel support space ops all those things you can't know it all but if you know a little bit, it's going to help you, especially when it comes to the coordination piece. But the most of all, I would say, uh, start specializing in something in particular, uh, OPSEC, MILDEC, STO, Intel support, et cetera, uh, because no matter what happens, those skill sets will be needed and, and you'll be called upon for your expertise. I hope that makes sense. Yes, sir, for sure. I think when I, so I've only been in an IO unit for about a year and a half, but um, I, when I was deployed, obviously as the PAO, we worked with the IO all the time. And um, we went to a CPX and it was definitely interesting talking to like civil affairs and psyops. And as a PAO, I was explaining to somebody that, you know, enemy propaganda isn't inherently bad. You can use it as a measure. You can also do things like look at crime families and is that bad in this culture? Should we figure out how to look at these families in a way that might be different than our own inherent intuition tells us? And I think that's exactly what you're saying is like, try to think outside the box in a way where you're trying to come from a different perspective. And then that will give you more information than what you would normally be doing if you were just sitting in plans or operations and looking at everything on a tabletop or on a piece of paper. And also understanding all that is making sure that you're extremely well integrated because uh, since the non-kinetic is going to be a major part of any operation across the entire spectrum of conflict, you've got to be prepared. Just like crisis communications in the PAO world, are will you be prepared to be first with the truth, be first to respond in whatever it could be with your I.O. battle drills, your I.O. crisis communications, your I.O. actions, your words, actions, images? Really, you've got to work with the speed of relevance because that's what's necessary. And oftentimes, uh, 
we're, we're bogged down and we can't afford to be bogged down because more and more, um, more and more, the more I more and more I own the non-kinetic is the weapon of choice for our adversaries, and we're not yet fully prepared to counter that based based on uh, lack lack of speed and lack of authority. So it's pushing authorities down, being able to act with the speed of relevance, being first to the truth, and uh, giving our adversary the adversary the unexpected. Um, IO retort or being first with the truth to make sure we also influence and have uh, information dominance in the IO in the cognitive domain. For sure. That all makes sense to me, sir. Okay, good. Okay. <laughs> I don't know about everybody else out there, but I got gotcha. you. Yeah, it, it, it does. It, it, make, it does make sense. And uh, if you look at what adversaries are doing across the globe, whether it's Gerasimov Doctrine or the Three Wars, uh, adversaries uh, in a lot of places in this globe are winning, and we've let them win. Uh, we've, we've got some hard lessons learned. Uh, we know the way forward, and the way forward is uh, a lot of speed and pushing authorities down, but, but uh, dare, daring to uh, do what's right and, uh, and be transparent. Uh, transparency. Uh, and it's truly appreciated by the worldwide audience. Look at Indo-PACOM uh, with the uh, freedom of choice and freedom of maneuver makes perfect sense. Uh, there's so many other pieces of the world where so many narratives need to be challenged uh, to do things right. Yeah, and, and we we always we always uh, make it out like IO is something new, um, but it, it really has. I mean, IO has been around. As long as we've been a nation, I feel like we've always used some kind of information operations to defeat our adversaries. Um, the same with, you know, any kind of military intelligence. I mean, that's been around just as long as our nation as well. And uh, we're we're just now, you know, looking at these two uh, these two career fields and saying, man, there's a lot more of these two career fields can do than what we ever gave them credit for. There's a lot. And you're right. There's nothing new. The technology is new, and oftentimes technology is just a new vector for some sort of communication that we've done before. It could have been telegraph, teletype, flags, or smoke signals, but uh, when you have when you have new vectors, you have new opportunities. So uh, a lot of times, cyber is just a vector. Sometimes it has a .exe component to it, but a lot of these are new vectors. But nothing nothing is new. It's just a new focused focus piece because because the new vectors because the enhanced appreciation because the enhanced connectivity of these vectors we've got a lot more to think about and a lot more to think about in a much more timely manner and then anything for those future guardsmen that uh, or those folks that are on the fence about joining oh joining oh best thing i ever did i uh absolutely the best thing i ever did every uh a young man here in the office recruited. It's like, here's here's the opportunity. He's a cyber guy. Uh, you know what? I go, here's some great opportunity where you can leverage your skill sets. Nowhere else can you get a part-time job that has a pension with great benefits. I it uh, I took that I took that little bit of an entry and resume and kept kept building on it, and building on it. And I gotta tell you, I used to work for state government, but now I work for federal government, and I leverage the exact skill sets that I learned in the guard and, and applied to my position at DOJ. And it's uh, my position is in the Intel community and I and a lot of the worlds um, overlap. So it's uh, the, uh, the appreciation of the training, the learning experiences, the connectivity 
uh, whether and, and the training experiences could be annual training, could be a schoolhouse, could be a mobilization. All that, all that continues to build on your resume to add so much value in your civilian job or your or your next job. I, I cannot exaggerate the added value that it applies to just simple operations and TV communication to team building and leadership. Cannot cannot exaggerate it. And and you kind of said something right there, sir. And I know this is a conversation we've had too in the past. Is I, you didn't spend? You were never a, an EGR. You've always been a, an MBA guy out of your whole career. You've had stints where you've come on active to to do stuff. Um, but um, you you've been a civilian, you know, a citizen soldier your entire career, and you were building a resume. Um, we didn't talk about any of your civilian careers, um, just kind of glance, you know, kind of a quick glance over some of the positions you've had, um, while serving. I mean, that, that's something, you know, we always, people always say, well, it's hard to hold both jobs. It's, it's not if you, if you put the time in. So I tell people nurture the mission and the higher up you go on both sides, the more difficult it gets, gets, but the good thing is you got time to figure it out. Uh, you've always got to build the bench. Uh, as a commander, you have to build the bench for your different components. Your deck bench, your PAO bench, your STO bench, your cyber EW, cyber meso bench, whatever the benches are, you continue to build it. But you also have to work with your employer uh, to make sure the bench is ready to make sure operations continue. Uh, so I used to work in marketing at Action State Agency. I worked in the lottery and uh, worked a lot of marketing and learned so much from the KLE side and learned so much from the marketing side for, for civilian marketing concepts that I applied every day on FST or to my guard position. It's there's so much that transfers from the civilian job over to the guard and the guard to the civilian job. In my current job, I provide uh, I coordinate foreign language support for investigations, uh, either criminal investigations, mostly national security investigations for uh, in support of uh, cyber intelligence and um, and uh, counterterrorism, and uh, in my uh, my capacity, I cover down on um, Oregon and Alaska, and, and as well as the Pacific with Hawaii, Guam, and Saipan. And the uh, skill sets are almost identical because if you're in the IC, the intelligence community, uh, the IC is basically the IC. Uh, it's uh, uh, the training uh, uh, experiences uh, completely set me up to walk in on day one and and and, and knowing what to do next. But the, the leadership pieces and the operational pieces and organizational and time management, all those things you bring with you and it just plain continues to. It's a great thing. I hope that answered your question. No, that, that was absolutely perfect, sir. Sarah, you got any other questions? Uh, just we can end with this if you like, sir. But uh, we're going to be talking to Andrew Gentry and some other Intel folks later. Is there anything we should make sure to ask them? Oh, ask them what their vision is for the Intel enterprise. So years ago when we said, you know, there's always disparate pieces. We've got to get together. We've got to work on some branch management and we're, 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 we're getting there. So we wanted to, uh, uh, back to a Boy Scout reference, you always want to leave your campsite better than you found it. Uh, when uh, years ago was Colonel Simonson, I think it was then Major, I don't remember, and, and, and uh, Colonel Rollins and a few of us like, you know, we've got to get together. And that's how the Intel enterprise started and uh, we really wanted to set things up for the uh, our follow-on forces especially intel side uh and then with the uh creation of the multiple skiffs and federated intel production and so many opportunities uh we keep on building and building so i'd ask her what her vision is 
for the uh, Intel Enterprise. And two weeks ago, we had our uh, joint Intel Enterprise Summit. It, uh, I wish we could have been there in person, but of course, all things COVID made it uh, on Teams, but you could still feel uh, feel the pulse. Uh, it, when I came in and, and uh, showing up at Charlie Company Vancouver Barracks, I mean, we didn't have email yet. Uh, I didn't I didn't know the second lieutenant uh, what an MSC was or what the different pieces were and we're hoping to better educate everyone much earlier on so they know exactly where they need to what they need to go what they need to do in order to go to whatever spot uh, what opportunities are out there and uh, and also uh, be virtually there uh, not just for the unit but for all your teammates uh, your other Intel pieces in other units across the state and it's and it's and it's uh it's really getting there uh we pushed as the as the tag said when we stopped by to visit we pushed the needle a fair amount forward and that's it's a it's a really good thing so i would ask them where where do they where do they see it going uh what do they expect and i think you're gonna get some really really uh exciting plans uh placed before you awesome thank you so much for joining us this morning sir yeah no, no yeah as as a uh, as always, uh, wish uh, Mrs. DeSophia everybody's best and uh, have fun. I know uh, he lives in like Sarah. He lives in like one of the most beautiful areas in Oregon too. So well, I'm sure there's yeah, so many good areas around here. There are, there are good areas. You know, and I, and I I would be remiss if I didn't mention the triad. It's in the strategic plan, but uh, there there are, there are three three. Um, Three voting members in the uh, in the pool for uh, uh, for retention, and uh, it really requires uh, nurturing the mission for communication, uh, reciprocation, and uh, and and rewarding. And that's the uh, household six, the spouses, and the employer. Uh, that's another piece that I always remind people. It's always always remember the triad. Uh, three points make a make a plane. In this case, makes a stool to sit on. And uh, it's really nurturing those missions to make sure there's a there's there's a balance and appreciation because all too often we get too busy and we forget to send that message of uh, reward and and recognition. So that's just a, a parting thought. Awesome. Thank you, sir.